Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And uh, David, I understand we have a special guest in the studio with us today. We do. Um, Mel Belsky is a friend of mine. We've known each other maybe 10 years now. And we made, met each other through a workers' comp internet roundtable that we met, talked, and we've chatted about life many, many times. And both of us have been on the same page for a long time, just about the nature of work and disability, et cetera. But he has a lot of expertise in what's called the average childhood experiences. And when I say expertise, he's not a pediatrician. He's not done the studies, but he's had an awful lot of experience watching what's called the adverse childhood experiences play out in the workplace, the workplace, watch patients personally. He's a physiatrist with extensive rehab experience. Then he got into the occupation medicine world as the chief medical officer of the Safeway food chain. And just as has seen a tremendous amount of issues, both with direct patient care, organizing care structure, but also organizing um, workers' comp situations. But um, we talked to Mel a couple weeks ago about the average childhood experiences and what they are. Imel, could you just in a minute to review for the new listeners what the adverse childhood experiences are or the ACE scores? Well, adverse childhood experience is a term um, that's used to describe the any one of a multitude of experiences that a young person can have that they uh, that they interpret as traumatic and cause certain certain problems long term if there are enough of them over time and their burden is high enough. Those experiences can be anything from having a parent incarcerated, seeing a murder, living in a war zone, um, being beat by your parents being neglected by your parents, not being fed, um, sexual, emotional abuse. There's a multitude of what are called early childhood traumatic events. And um, so once there's a, a, a certain threshold has been reached, and that threshold is relatively low, and there is a dose response to these experiences, um, people begin to have difficulty with coping with uh, new experiences, either in their personal life, well, I guess work life is personal life, but uh, outside of the home um, and inside the home, of course. But uh, when I was the, the uh, medical director for risk management at, at Safeway, my primary uh, role and obligation was to try to come up with ways that people reach maximum medical benefit from whatever treatments they were given. And in evaluating the, the, the situation uh, that we had at Safeway, where a small percentage of people with relatively minor injuries um, had really 
protracted, prolonged, and very expensive medical care with usually poor outcomes, it became very clear that to a large extent, that group of people who experienced delayed recovery, which is what it's called, delayed recovery, meaning recovery that is recovery that is not within what would expect as a normal range, um, that those people largely suffered significant psychosocial trauma, and that was usually or most often in the form of early childhood trauma or adverse childhood experiences. Now, there, it's also true that some people, when they were adults, experienced lots of uh, kind of trauma that would also similarly and negatively affect their ability to manage from bodily, manage bodily insults of, of any form. The problem, I think, from a um, my perspective is that I was raised, as you will know, with a, an abusive background, very high ACE score. And what happens is that you're hypervigilant as a kid, but it's normal. That's just the way you're programmed. But what happens, you're always on alert. Again, seems normal. All sorts of things are happening around you. And I think what happens when you have a high A score is that your current life now has more things in it that seem threatening, even though they may not be threatening. And I think the reason why the dose effect is important, but not so important, you mentioned earlier before the program, that this is a simple test to take, basically a checklist. They don't really ask about the frequency. And basically, it's just a really simple checklist without going into a lot of detail about what happened. And But I think that abuse is abuse. And what happens is that a parent's role, I have a metaphor of a big oak tree with the trunk of being the, you know, the father, mother, or whatever family combination there is, with the branches providing shade and shelter and nourishment. And that's the parent's role is to, is to provide that solid foundation and the base for a safe, nurturing family. And if there's anything in the family life that makes the kids feel unsafe, it's a problem. And of course, at a certain tipping point, that the lack of safety can be a huge problem. And you know, I didn't know what safety meant. This wasn't part of my reality. The problem is in adulthood, when you end up with similar circumstances, your brain says, okay, this is dangerous. You have a neurochemical response, which creates anxiety, frustration, and anger. Your quality of life goes down. Your pain is worse, and things, things really don't play out very well. I'm curious, in your perspective, of all the people that were injured on the job that had delayed recovery, what ballpark percent of them do you think had a high A score? Well, I, I guess it depends on what you mean by high, but um, but something like 35% of people have high enough ACE scores that they have trouble managing either, you know, in a, managing uh things that happen to them, whether they're physical or otherwise, that's a huge number. And some people believe it's even higher. And there is a spectrum uh, as well. Um, some people with relatively low age scores were so traumatized that they, in effect, 
they might as well have had high AIDS scores. And there are other people who, for whatever reasons, uh, the circumstances in their life provided opportunities to interact with other adults who were caring, maybe church members or, or whatever, and they were able to um, overcome, to some extent, the terrible negative consequences consequences of high adverse childhood experience. Right. Um, uh, so it, there's a whole there's a whole range of of uh, there's a, there's a whole range. I'm not sure. I, I this is the right time to go into some some detail given our limited time. But the point is that the people that have a lot of adverse childhood experience, as you pointed out in your own life, are hyper vigilant, which is is a real physiologic state that is destructive. And and they, as a consequence, when when they suffer, in, in the case of work-related injury, it's usually a musculoskeletal injury. They right. are unable. They are unable to overcome that injury, even if it's a, a minor injury. Right. And I think I met. met I'm sorry. Yeah, I just have a list here. I did. I've Dr. one of Dr. Andre's slide presentations in front of me. I'm not sure how I got this, but. Basically, I didn't realize, I haven't reviewed this in a while, but there's increased, you, people die earlier, suicide, depression, anxiety, heart disease. All that. There's, there's a list here I wasn't aware of. So, ACEs have a strong influence on adolescent health, reproductive health, smoking, alcohol abuse, illicit drug abuse, mental Everything. health, risk of immunization. And the last one was performance in the workforce. So I guess what I'm curious from your perspective, you've been in both sides of the fence as a physiatrist doing people one-on-one, -on -one, but also as an administrator. It's a tough problem. All of us known for decades, you can't really get into people's households and make changes. And you're sort of dealing with people after the fact, during the workplace, they have a high A score, things aren't going well. What are some of the things, both from a system standpoint, but also that person as the work injured worker can do to help improve their situation. I guess one question I would ask, I mean, does simply understanding the effect of a high score help those people get better? Mel, you're still muted. Is that better? There you go, you're back. Okay. Um, can you ask that question again? I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Well, the question is, okay, now you're an injured worker, you have a problem, and things aren't going well. You're still in pain, you're being mounted on the medical oh. system. And what do you, from both an individual standpoint as the injured worker, but also from a system standpoint, I'd like to just give sort of some basic concepts that a given injured worker could use to help himself out of the hole. Also, if you're a manager. Well, well I gotcha. First of all, the average injured worker with a issue of high ACE has no idea, no clue what has been in fact driving their 
or the source of and what's been driving their general misery and uh, their problems with recovery. They have no clue. So the first important step is to evaluate both the presence and number of adverse childhood experience, but more importantly, to characterize the compensatory behaviors that that person has been using to get by. And I'll just give you one example, the example of catastrophization, where people uh, are told something that they interpret as negative about their situation, their medical situation or their social situation, and they, through the presence of this hypervigilant state, they pro they process that in a way that is negative, and that they make it out to be whatever that information is to be much worse and much more terrible and much more devastating than it actually is and this uh, this in a weird way allows people to kind of uh, come to grips with their situation without really understanding what's going on and how they can how they can, and they're the only ones who can, how they can turn the situation around. So the first thing is to characterize the severity and the, and, and the behaviors that present. And the next step is to discuss those findings with the injured worker and what those findings might mean in their life or what they have meant in their life, whether it's work life or, or otherwise. And then, if they're willing, and not a lot of people aren't willing, but they, they, but hopefully they are willing to make an effort at acquiring skills that will allow them to overcome the negative consequences or, 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 or manage their behavior better. And, and and that's where we come in uh, come in uh, well we'll talk about, this about the, we'll talk about this in the next interview but I mean right now people say well it's a psychological issue and therefore the pain isn't there that's not true I mean the problem is if you're hypervigilant not a, at all no not if, at all if you're hypervigilant as a kid that pattern's not going to change as an adult in fact you're going to become more hypervigilant as you have more and more responsibility well that's and also thing. you become you also, as an adult, you enter into a world where lots of psychoactive substances are readily available, and you might, without understanding why you're doing it, you might and often do self-medicate, either through excessive smoking or use of street drugs or seeking opiates or other drugs such as such as uh, soma, you know that that kind of thing. You know, we all, both of us know that, for example, soma, if it's ever going to be, it's a terrible drug, but if it's going to be used, it should be used very in a very limited fashion. 
and we, uh, and, but a lot of these folks, it, it gives them a sense of sedation and sometimes well-being, and they will do everything and say whatever they have to say to keep getting that drug or wh whatever other drug they think is helping them keep a lid on their, their situation. Well, well, you can't so blame them. You can't blame them. I mean, you not. You no, know no, I, I don't. I don't blame them at all. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, my role as, as a physician and as medical director was to identify the dynamic that prevented this 10 or 15 percent of our of our employees who really were experiencing delayed recovery um, to help them overcome. And if they're ever injured again, understand how they can manage without going down the rabbit hole, the medical surgical rabbit hole. Right. Well, I mean, here's the thing is that, again, we don't have really the time to go into a huge amount of detail, but understanding the effective ACE scores on your workers' health and they're also the behaviors. And again, when you're hypervigilant, your body's full of stress chemicals, and people get sick and they die early. I mean, they estimate that the instant the that the there's two research papers that show that demonstrate that the effect of chronic pain on a person's quality of life is similar to terminal cancer. It's a devastating problem. Uh, from a system standpoint, do you feel like with your awareness and directing traffic to so, to some degree, you, you're able to help these people out of the hole? Oh, absolutely. Well, I wasn't directing traffic. I was actually in the in the trenches with the the psychologists who were working with um, our injured workers. We 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 actually uh, had a vendor who's uh, who developed a network, national network of pain psychologists and others who understood these dynamics and were able to really help i mean if the patient engaged with these psychologists they generally did well meaning they generally returned to work in less pain more quickly and were not readily re-injured as often right i mean it's so, key to understand so it's right i mean actually it's really key for the listener to understand that this is not a psychological issue primarily. In other words, there's a heightened neurochemical response to body's full stress chemicals. And the psychologists that deal with teach you ways and tools first to understand the problem, but just understanding the problem doesn't solve the problem. You have, you have to use strategies to actually calm down the nervous system. And once you learn those tools, then things change dramatically. Um, so psychology can be a great benefit, even though it's really more of a neurochemical problem, hyper being hyper-reactive to the environment. The final, um, any um, any thoughts, Mel, as far as, I think the message today is to really understand that we are programmed by our past and that we react to the current environment based on our past programming. And everybody's watched a dog or a cat be scared by a certain person. When a certain person walks in the room, guess what? They're going to take off. They don't. It doesn't take much to program that animal that there's danger. And if you're programmed by your entire childhood that there's multiple danger zones, why the same the same danger zones are going to be much more rounding than someone who had a more sedate, quiet childhood. And I'm impressed. I don't think there's that many workers' comp carriers that understand the role of 
ACEs, high ACE scores on recovery. And I'm extremely impressed. Uh, just one final question. How do you happen to run across this in your training or experience? Because it, it's not the usual. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think I might have mentioned this to you early on. On my early professional career, I was a hospital-based rehabilitationist. Right. So, so um, that, what that meant was any new head injury, spinal cord injury, stroke, multiple trauma, well, acute, acute acquired impairment slash disability. Um, I was involved in the process of getting them out of the hospital and getting them as maximally functional as possible. And while I was doing this, I mean, this is over 30 years ago now, as I was doing this, I realized that some people with the very same problem, essentially, responded very differently to the treatment options offered. Some people, I, I had people go back to work who were paraplegic and quadriplegic, you know, once they were fit with the proper equipment and all of that, and that, but they had the attitude that they wanted to go back to work and one guy was a dispatcher who basically had a sip and puff mechanism in order to do his work. Wow. You know? Wow. And and other people had a minor injury and they were completely devastated. They convinced their family that they were severely disabled, et cetera, et cetera. So I began wondering about this a long time ago. Okay. And it's interesting that in my own training, I was not exposed to any of this stuff. Neither was I. No, but I know. But um, that's how I, I, I piqued my interest, and then I began doing research. And in the course of doing the research, I ran across the work of Vincent Felitti, um, the man I mentioned to you before, who was a preventative, who is a preventative medicine specialist, but he's now uh, retired, but continues to give talks about the effects of adverse childhood experience around the world. But unfortunately, and this will be another conversation, but unfortunately, it's people in Europe and the Scandinavian countries and some of the Asian countries that are seem to have more interest in this than the Americans themselves. Right, right. Who are, and we can talk about why that might be, and you know, but it's it's a sad commentary, frankly. Right. No, I. Well, Mel, thank, one of the other th yeah, I'm sorry. Well, thank you very much. This is great. I, I you know, there's lots. To, um, we'll probably be coming back and forth to this topic over the next few years because um, I think there's many. Sure, whatever, whatever you like, David. And it's such a critical factor in uh, people's both both their ability to work, but also just the quality of life. Understanding how the past intrudes into the present is really a critical part of, of actually enjoying your life. I think. But oh, this well, is there's no there's no question about that. I think that's exactly right. And I think we it's de-emphasized, and I think there are reasons it's de-emphasized. One of the things that I find find curious, and this is a little bit political, is that people want the politicians in particular want to change people's behaviors in various ways, um, and they want maybe to reduce the numbers of people who are incarcerated and. You know, all that stuff, because most of them have that terrible adverse childhood experiences. Right. Um, but, but the truth of it is, the government would have to get involved in people's 
family lives at a very early point if they ever hoped to changing this to change this in a positive way. Right. And that's just not in the cards. Nope. You're not going to be you're not going to be able to. I mean, the politicians are wanting to get more and more involved and push educational services downstream more and more. They want kids as young as possible to enter into the school system. But the truth is that most of these kinds of negative events and their consequences are established in the very early years, long right. before they go off to school. Right. No, absolutely. I agree. Well, thanks again. This is excellent. And I, your perspective, I, th I find incredibly helpful as far as these, for many reasons, but this on the ACE course particularly, this has been an excellent conversation. But again, thank you. And uh, we will sure. uh, talk. We'll My talk pleasure. All right. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you, David and Mel. And... Uh, we uh, hope our listeners will join us again next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And we remind you that you can find more information at backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.